we know that inventing riches, creating riches by magic, is wrong and not allowed. Yeah. So they still have to make a mortal income. Yeah. Where does the rest of the money come from? How can they afford this mm. historic, enormous property? I figured it out. What? They've been alive for 600 years. They're right? They're just saved. Yeah, they've just saved. Is it the interest? Yeah, the interest. <laughs> <laughs> that ISA they opened <laughs> in 1378. It's um, paying off. Yeah, yeah it's gradually getting better. I mean, she's so she, you know, she put so much. She put a turnip in, and she's got a million pounds back. <laughs> <laughs> interest. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Sabrina the Teenage Watch, the podcast where three bright and beautiful blokes review all 163 episodes of everyone's favourite witch family sitcom, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I am Phil Dean, I am your host of this uh, podcast and to my right is Chris Evans, a Chris Evans at that. Screw you, Phil. That's the way to introduce you. And on to my left is Graeme Riley. The one, the only. The one and the only. Well, I mean, if you are listening and you are a Graeme Riley, please get in touch. There is um, a lawyer in America, I know, um, Graeme, Graeme Riley. So uh, I'm not the most qualified Graeme Riley in the world. But you're the most... Uh, handsome. Fun. Uh, handsome, yeah, I'll tell you that. The most handsome Graeme Riley, uh, definitely in this uh, vicinity. Chris, how are you today? No, I'm good. I'm good until okay. your words hurt me. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll just glide. Okay, but very few people are uniquely named, apart from maybe Engelbert Humperdinck, but that's not his real name. No. So, um, so unless you change your name to something else, Chris, I'm afraid you'll always have the comparison that A, you're not a ginger radio personality, and B, you're not a hunk in Hollywood. Yet. 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 Yes. Okay, let's, let's stay positive. There we go, you're feeling a bit better now, mate. Yeah, thank you, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to uh, jump straight into episode four, which is entitled Terrible Things, or more accurately, Terrible Things, which is a nice sort of recurring theme throughout the episode. Uh, to summarise it just in a sentence, uh, Sabrina decides to use her magic to help improve the lives of her friends, but is warned that terrible things may happen. Graeme, do they happen? Yes, but also some very humorous things also. Exactly, and that's what we're here for. We're here to review uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which so far, three episodes in, is very funny. I'm enjoying it so far. It's still very early days, but I'm enjoying it. I think, yes, I think we are sort of enjoying the... I don't know if season one is the peak of the show, but certainly its early years are sort of... I think... Just very highly rated, just really known to be sort of an above-average teen sitcom. Perhaps when we get to the noughties and uh, season six and seven, we may be less enthusiastic. Yeah. But right now, we are loving it. We are. Chris, your thoughts? I think it's a good show. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Great. Good show. Okay. So, thanks, Chris, <laughs> for your for your unique. Uh, perspective on the show. So here we are, yes, a terrible four, uh, terrible four, episode four even, terrible things. <laughs> terrible form. Um, <laughs> exactly, that's what it is. This is going downhill quickly. Um, so when did this episode air? When's the original air date of... Um, um, well, this episode uh, entered the world on the 18th of October, 19... 19- 
96. And if I might add, yeah. I did a quick research uh, mm -hmm. before we recorded this, and nothing happened on that day. Well, I, mean, I, th I think yeah, well, I think you're selling yourself short. It wasn't a quick bit of research. Like we were we extensively were looking. Solid 15 minutes. Yeah, that's that. that I can I can tell you that the the Emperor of Cambodia released uh, prisoners on did. that day, just not the really severe prisoners. But yeah. other than that, there was nothing really. Well, I mean, well, I can also tell you that uh, 84 football fans in Guata. Guatemala, Guatemala um, yeah. were, were crushed. I can tell you that. And yeah, uh, basically all very joyous. All things. terrible uh, things <laughs> happened in that week. And to top it all off, uh, Sabrina is uh, not yeah. having the best of times. But this is a nice. They weren't the video. Guatemalan football fans. They weren't crushed because the team lost, and that's sad. No, they died. That's oh serious. Um, so, um, let's uh, steer away from all, all the real terrible things and have a look at fictional terrible things. So, episode four, uh, Terrible Things, opens up uh, before the uh, the main title. And we're in school, and already the title makes sense as Sabrina is in the same outfit as Libby. That is dum, a, dum, dum! What? That is indeed a terrible thing. It is. So, not... Uh, not Libby not clocking with uh, Sabrina, she quickly uh, runs into the uh, the bathroom to change uh, with some espionage music, which I did enjoy. Uh, she changes her outfit into something verging on awful. However, much better, she says. Yuck. Um, and lo and behold, who's wearing the same outfit? Jenny! Jenny, all oh, that crazy Jenny. And there we go, and they're both wearing awful outfits. Not only are they sharing, but they both look ridiculous. Welcome to, to the 90s. Yes. to the 90s. But it does beg the question, why did Sabrina not alter her outfit to something entirely original, something of her own invention? Mm. Can she only replicate existing outfits that exist in the world? She can. I mean, we learned in the last episode that uh, witches can't make brands. Yes. Mm. Doesn't stop them just making nice stuff. Like, in knockoff stuff doesn't necessarily look awful, but she seemed to have picked out that everything, every combination, this awful kind of chainmail leggings meets Celtic top. Yeah, it had like, like that is a bit like, you know, a bit like she was a, a milkmaiden or something. Um, Hilda, in episode two, um, spices her two outfits together to make a better one. So it can be done. It can be Maybe done. Maybe Sabrina, when she's 600, will know how to do that. Maybe exactly. just not at this tender age. Clearly the know. years um, do wonders for your uh, knowledge on what is fashionable. Um, unfortunately, we're in the 90s. Still a few more years to go, so I highly doubt um, that will happen. Sure. So the theme starts, and um, she's at the end of the credits. She's dressed as a builder, saying she's got to clean out her closet. Yeah, in a hard hat. Um, I don't know whether she'll, in later episodes, be a Native American, a biker, a policeman. I hope she will get the whole village people by the end of the season. <laughs> Excellent. So, so yeah, that's something to certainly look forward to. Uh, so, the episode after the theme starts with uh, Zelda looking for Salem. He's hiding because, as well as being turned into a cat for 100 years for trying to take over the world, um, we weren't sure whether the Witches' Council or just Zelda has told him he has to do community service as part of his punishment, as a part of a uh, Pets for Prisoners programme, he says. Mm, it's interesting, in US law, the punishment for attempted world domination is community service. Yeah. I'm just I'm just going to say this, the whole Pets for Prisoners thing. Yeah. I mean, I've heard of, you know, uh, giving uh, going to, uh, like, a cat calf for depressed people or something, mm -hmm. or being surrounded by puppies, and it's all really enjoyable. I love being surrounded uh, by oh, puppies. Yeah. 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 As regularly as possible. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Our bow ties are spinning here, folks. Um, like puppy yeah. dogs. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and pussy cats. Ooh. Yeah? Right. Okay, so it's... Mm. But but I don't... I feel, personally, that 
that prisoners should not get the opportunity to have a pet. I mean, especially a cat. I mean, in those prison cells, there's not enough room to swing a cat. No. That was awful. The film. American prisons are very overcrowded. I yeah. feel like this is going to be a terrible <laughs> show. <laughs> it, it won't be, folks. It'll be great. It'll be great. Trust me. Anyway, Salem has now taken the form um, of a demonic robot. As we've seen in the opening oh. episode, it was a very horrible uh, bit of taxidermy. And in the beginning of the episode, he runs in as a cat and a nice little cat. But clearly, he couldn't stay still or he just lacked any interest. And he turns into this... Um, fucking horrible demonic robot that turns its head 180 degrees just staring and panning across the room. The problem is most of Salem doesn't move, only his head. Yeah. Which leads to some very, very disturbing, terrible things yeah. regarding I mean, this, uh, this... So Salem has to go back to society and pay for his crimes, and Sabrina, being on her high horse, is challenged by Salem to do three nice things with her power, seeing all she's done is little selfish... Selfish? Selfish! Mr. <laughs> Selfridge! To do selfridge magic um, that's only benefiting her. So, so far she's done little things. I think he notes that she's made uh, Brussels sprouts disappear, and, and as you... Uh, Libby is yeah. making her be an, a fool and daft, and she's clearly a bit of a... A bit petty. A bit petty with the magic. Not. She's a teenager. Yeah, okay. It's understandable, but it is about time she fought the good fight. Yes. So Sabrina says, yeah, okay then, I will do three nice things for all my friends. But Salem warns her, oh, terrible things will happen. Ooh. So You shouldn't play with fate, is basically what he's yes. saying. Yes, so just let people get on with it. And we learn the reason why exactly uh, she can't sort of meddle in a friend's life, but we'll get to that in that particular scene. So now we're back at school, and uh, Jenny and Libby are competing for the Westfield High School presidency, uh, with Jenny saying she's on the outsider party, promoting funding for the arts and uh, smaller class sizes, while Libby, on the other hand, for the popular party, is promising more pizza at lunch. And guys, she may be a bitch, but she got my vote. Well, it's classic politics, populism versus idealism. Yes. Yes. Uh, all I'm going to say is uh, we can definitely draw a mirror in front of this. <laughs> <laughs> but now shes we can clearly see a poster that reads, Vote Libby, more pizza. Donald Trump looks like a pizza. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Put that in at the end. <laughs> Backwards. Um... Um, so yeah, so that's literally all a campaign is just just vote a vote for Libby is a vote for Pete. I mean, Graham, where would you stand in regards to uh, would you, would you vote for her if that was all she promised? When I was when I was sixteen, yes, absolutely. I would not think of anything like class sizes or more funding for the pizza. Pretty girl, gonna give me pizza. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you I say you say when you were sixteen, that's what you'd vote for. What about now? Being... Now. now if I was voting in a high school cast presidency, there'd be something very wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> so Jenny's upset because she actually wants to make a difference for the school. She says like she really cares about her classes and uh, even she might not be the most popular uh, girl in school, but she cares about the people within yeah. the school, which is a nice touch. Um, so Sabrina uses her magic to make the ballot box explode with votes for Jenny and the first magic display so far and the first interference in one of her friend's lives. Yes. The box just implodes seemingly with uh, votes for Jenny. Now uh, you, Chris, because you've got your eagle-eyed when it comes to popular uh, mm -hmm. American TV shows, yeah. you spotted a young man um, who was just simply back then just a simple jock, but he had a 
bigger career ahead of him then. Oh yes, Milo Ventigliano. I mean, he always helps when you're referencing someone to know how to say their name. Haven't the foggiest. We, we, we believe <clears throat> Ventimiglia. Ventimiglia. Milo yes. Ventimiglia. Yeah, okay. for going from Gilmore Girls to Heroes to the most recent TV show, This Is Us. Yes, there so, he is, uh, and he starts just this little floppy-fringed, acne-ridden uh, teenager, and there he goes, yeah, becomes a superhero later on in his career, so a good move from yeah. from old Milo lad. Yep. Uh, we now see Harvey, and he's enjoying a big mega gulp protein shake, yeah. saying he has to bulk up. Sabrina compliments him, saying he looks fatter, and Harvey thanks her. Oh, because he says he wants to start as a running back. I think he says, yeah, yeah. on the uh, the school's football team on the gridiron. Yeah, on the gridiron. But um, he is told he's a bit too small and he needs to bulk up um, if he's going to at least start in the team. Yeah, I mean, and which is quite a shocking thing. I mean, it's clear already, only a few episodes in, that Harvey is a popular kid, especially when you've got Libby, who's a cheerleader. She's a popular kid, and she yeah. is infatuated with this young man. But this is the first glimpse to say that he's not the jockiest of jocks. I think that's what makes him relatable. You know, I, I think if he was really good at everything, it would be quite hard to like him. Yeah. <laughs> but, good, but normally, I, I thought that he was, yeah, he's the guy all the girls want, and he's top of everything. Fair I enough, thought he'd he's be a the quor- bit... I thought he'd be the quarterback. quarterback. So fair enough, he is a little stupid, but I would have thought he'd be the, the best football player in the school, but clearly he's not, which is a nice little display of uh, realism, I think. Yeah, underdogness. Yeah, kind yeah. of. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, he's got he's got too much going for him to really be an underdog. But still, um, it's a nice little yeah. There are things slap he wants. Realism. There are things he wants that he can't have, which is you know <laughs> yeah. sort of necessary for any sort of protagonist character, really. Yeah, and it also boosts that uh, his his football coach is clearly a feeder and yeah. um, <laughs> telling him to eat large pizzas and drink large shakes. Well, he's, he's either going to give him a start a starting role in the team, or he's got bigger plans for him to be. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not, but let's take a moment now <laughs> please, to talk about American High School. Yes. Okay. Now, obviously, the three of us are residents of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, and um, high school for us was not like this. No. We see multiple things here which represent, to me, and I think to my colleagues here, American high school being an enormous institutionalized popularity contest. The fact that the the school organizes things like class presidency elections, um, high school football coaches because high school football is genuinely important and you know can lead to like a, a professional career. So high school football coaches like telling teenagers to change their bodies that their bodies aren't good enough for football. It's nightmarish. It's horrible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, America. But it's it's no wonder. I mean, high school in general is an is an absolute ordeal. But However, that's what I mean. I feel, it's I hard enough as it is. Without... In, in American high schools, obviously, I mean, never been one. We just we just assume from what TV tells us, which is how we learn most things in this world. But um, it seems like you're already going in with a disadvantage into these high schools. You're either going to be bullied or really popular there's no kind of yeah it's just a, it sort of means that you know things like homecoming queens and things like that that anyway as a teenager good looks athletic skill confidence are going to be sort of precious commodities that are going to get you places 
but it's actually institutionalised within the fabric of the school to elevate those people above everybody else and to make people who are lacking in those qualities feel inadequate. Yeah. And speaking of, of inadequacy, of course, this is why uh, Harvey wants to bulk up because, um, Chris, you took particular um, enjoyment of the name of this young man who seemingly is the star football player of the team. Do you remember his name? Randy the Destroyer. Randy the Destroyer. <laughs> and we see him in the background shouting at um, a poor... Well, I say poor student, but because all these students look like they're in their 30s, he could have been a member of staff, we don't know. He walks past big Randy the Destroyer and he shouts at him to show us that if Sabrina does some magic to help Harvey out, then she's kind of doing it for the good guys because this man um, is seemingly a an awful person, but he could yeah. have just had a bad day. We don't know the context yeah. of this young man's life. He... We, we, we don't really know anything about Mr. The Destroyer, do we? So, uh... <laughs> no, we don't. So Harvey is told that, yeah, he must bulk up... Um, He's told he's got to either bulk up so X amount of pounds or Randy has to step down uh, from his position, which is never going to happen. So she can see Harvey's upset in his face. Sabrina uses her magic for the second time and um, he slams his locker onto his fingers, crippling his fingers and causing him clearly unable to start the game by uh, by shouting, Ow! My fingers! So we know it's definitely hurt. And that's it. She's used two instances of magic to help two of her friends. Will terrible things happen this? Well, only time will tell. Only time will tell. It doesn't take long to tell. The most terrible thing and the most um, all-encompassing alteration she makes to reality is about to happen next. It is indeed. As we return to all cool Mr. Pool. Hey! And I forgot to mention at the top of this episode that this this is my favourite episode so far. Not necessarily because it's funnier than the others because I mean it is a very funny episode however you get a real glimpse of the real uh, Eugene Poole as we learn yes. his name is so we, we get to know the real Mr Poole in quite a bit of a sad way yeah but he you finally see his genuine caring um, personality where he clearly shows he loves his job but that's we'll see that after it but so Mr. Poole is in the class and he apologises for being late as he tried to go uphill in his AMC Gremlin which yes. I found was a 1970s rust bucket it was um, it's uh, in the film um, The Man with the Golden Gun um, Roger Moore performs a stunt in it oh excellent in, in one, yeah. so it's a cool little stunt car just not one for everyday just it was, it was 20 years old by yeah. 1996 yeah. so if you're still driving one and American car build quality in the 1970s being what it was yeah, probably yeah. not going to get very far in it. So he apologises for being late, and the kids laugh and go, <laughs> yeah, oh. But one thing I would like to know, chaps, is he, he apologises for being late, as this is possibly the first time he's been late for his own class. Hmm. Why has he suddenly gone uphill on this on one occasion, if he's never been late before? Traffic? Maybe. But it just seems a bit peculiar. He's, he's just late this one time, he has to go uphill. Um, oh, I've got it. He had to... Pop to the pharmacy to pick up a prescription. Um, yeah, antidepressants, one would imagine. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, of course, we can only speculate that Mr. Poole was a depressed mess. But well, it's pretty obvious. It, yeah, it's I pretty mean, obvious it already a few episodes in. So <clears throat> let's say, just to end the uh, the discussion, he went uphill because the local pharmacy, uh, the one he normally goes to, had run out of his uh, prescription, and he's then uh, forged um, a prescription uh, slip to go to another pharmacy which is unfortunately uphill to get his uh... or tectonic plates maybe that hill wasn't there before maybe 
Maybe things shifted. Maybe. We'll see. So he's, he apologizes for being late. Everyone laughs. Uh, Harvey uh, pipes up and says, um, says, why Why don't you get a better car, sir? Why don't you get a better car? And he says, what, like a Ferrari? Yeah. Why don't I just run out after class and buy one? I'll pay for it in frustration. Classic pool. Classic pool. But I mean, poor Harvey. He was only asking. It's just a nice thing. He just happened to be the one. Everyone thought it. It would be, no. It would be Harvey, wouldn't it? Yeah. Who would not think? I'm, he said it's so cavalier, and he just why don't you get out of the car, sir? I'm just going to say that that Mr. Paul is a very accurate representation of all teachers. Yes, and we see this in about a minute or so. So at the end of this class, and we'll we'll go into this, Chris, because with you being a teacher, you'll be a good one to compare yourself to Mr. Poole if you didn't mind doing that. Oh, no, I don't mind. <laughs> okay, so we'll get to that in uh, just a couple of seconds. So um, so after being a really sarky, um, being a dick to his class, so the class finishes, but Mr. Poole isn't done just yet. No, he advises that all of his students uh, weirdly take showers. And not yes. only is that offensive, but then he picks one out, this poor Latino dude at the front, and just goes... Especially you. Yeah, especially you. Um, I, I don't think you needed to point out that it's racist. It's <laughs> <laughs> Latino. That just makes it sound racist. Think, I don't think there is any racial undercurrent. To oh no, so no. You know, it's just the fact he just picks out this poor, devastated forty-year-old man and tells him to yeah. to get a wash to scrub. Not not bathing ages you terribly. No, no, of course. Um, mm. So that's a very sort of weird, sour, uh, cranky comment. More cranky than normal than what we've seen with Mr. Poole. And Sabrina brings this up. She says, "Oh, um, so you being a little bit, a little bit more." Uh, aggressive today than usual. What's up? Um, but his briefcase handle comes off and papers have gone everywhere. Oh, no. What a mess, he says. Oh, it's only papers, Sabrina says. No, my life. Oh. I've been a teacher here for seven years and I can't afford a new briefcase. Oh. I found this one. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and so this is where we'll talk about Mr. Poole. This is the first glimpse we've got of the real Mr. Poole. Maybe he found it on a bridge where another teacher had thrown himself off. <laughs> <laughs> this got really, really, really dark really quickly. Yeah, he's Chris being a teacher yourself, he says um this I said this is the first glimpse. He says he loves um he loves being a teacher, but this is just he takes multiple uh secondary jobs to take this. He supervises the science club, he uh, does bake sales, and he washes Principal LaRue's car. Ooh. Just to get by, but he stays a teacher because he likes being a teacher. Now Chris being one yourself can you relate to Mr. Pearl? This is he is he an accurate description of a high school teacher? Not that you teach high school students, but is it an accurate representation of an overworked teacher? Yes, <laughs> that's all we need. Just, <laughs> just yes. I wonder if they are. I don't know. Maybe they're making some sort of political point here about teachers being underpaid. Maybe they're saying up your game, Clinton. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So we got poor Mr. Poole here, who, despite not being able to afford his life as a teacher, uh, he says he loves science and it's the only good thing in his life. Oh. Which is, man, it's this, it's this guy. We've been laughing at him, and even we laughed at him about thirty seconds ago, making the comments about uh, uh, being frustrated about not being able to pay for a Ferrari, for pointing at his smelly students and stuff. But this is, it's quickly dipped, and it, we're in a different tone of Mr. Poole. I think now. we did mention in sort of his early appearances that there is a lurking darkness behind this character that we'd like to see more of. Yeah. And in this in this episode we do. Yeah. So it's it's a very very interesting turn of character, but it's a great one. Like I said, like this is why it's one of my favourite episodes so far, um, because of this side of Mr. Poole that we see. 
Um, so he's, yeah, papers have gone everywhere. Um, we get the first real glimpse of Mr. Poole. Um, he does the multiple jobs. Uh, Sabrina compliments him, though, on his coupon collection, but he crushes it when uh, when he says, 40 cents off fruit cookies, and his coupon has expired. Oh. He says you can no more sweeten a cookie with fruit than you can turn lead into gold. Magic noise? Sabrina's got an idea. Or can you? Poole then gets a magical brainwave to literally turn lead into gold in seemingly three simple steps, as he does on his... Uh, on his board, she tells he tells Sabrina to go, and that's it. She's used her three wishes, if you will, kind of like a bit of a genie. Um, she's taken the role of in this episode, using three simple uh, magic experiences to enhance her friends' lives. But will terrible things happen? They all seem happy so far. But well, there's quite a telling line which sort of alludes to what's about to happen um, when Poole has just um, had his magical brainwave, as you say. Um, he says, "But this is alchemy." This isn't scientific. This can't happen. Ah, who cares? Exactly, yeah. We'll, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll see who cares. Yes, we'll, later yes. on. we'll see, yeah. In a couple of minutes, we'll see We'll see who cares. But So she's used her, so to recap, she's used her magic uh, three times to help three of her friends. She's made, seemingly made anyway, um, uh, Jenny's dream of being class president uh, or year president, whatever, come true. Um, seemingly given Harvey an opportunity to star in the football game and given... Mr. Poole, the incredible ability to turn lead into gold. Out of those, maybe that last one won't work out so well. No. That's a bit too far, even for a witch's standpoint. But, um, so we cut to Hilda, who's teaching violin. And we realised, is this her job? Oh, my days. Hilda is a music teacher. She is. She is contributing to society. So she was totally within her rights to assault Sabrina in the last episode. Yes, so to recap, in episode three... Sabrina asks uh, Hilda if uh, she could buy her a pair of rollerblades. Um, she says, no, you've got to get a job like the rest of us. And then we were thinking, well, we haven't seen any signs of you working. You seem to just be a dirty scrimp. But no, she seemingly has an income. Yeah, I'd just like to point out, though, out of the two of them, Hilda and Zelda, the one that you would have picked to be the music teacher was not Hilda. <laughs> no, no, Hilda is impatient. Um doesn't seem to like kids. <laughs> all, all good qualities for a music teacher yeah. or a teacher in, <laughs> in general. general. Um, so she's teaching uh, violin out of all things. So in her 600 plus years of life, it's the violin she seems to know her way around. She takes poor lad who's named Jeffrey. She takes his violin and smashes it on the kitchen table. So she's still old Hilda. Uh, Sabrina asks why she doesn't magically make the boy better. But Zelda says they can't meddle in mortal lives because, well... We've already heard they have rules, and terrible things could happen. Hilda then says, who cares about rules? I just want Geoffrey to keep paying for lessons. Typical Hilda. So she might be a responsible music teacher, but she's still good old Hilda. Still Hilda. I mean, at the end of the day, I'd do exactly the same. If the options were make my student better or continue to get paid, I would continue to get paid. Yeah. I think everyone would. Yeah, it just, it, it makes sense. Yeah, so we've learned that, yeah, so Hilda does have an income, not a massively large income, um, as we now got the first glimpse of the rest of the house. Oh my day. Now, from the front, we've seen that this house is a big old building, but we now see the front room, and you think, if their income is only so far, and we know, and we being know, a music teacher. And we know that inventing riches 
creating riches by magic is wrong and not allowed. Yeah. So they still have to make a mortal income. Yeah. Where does the rest of the money come from? How can they afford this mm. historic, enormous property? I figured it out. What? They've been alive for 600 years. They're just, right? They're just saved. Yeah, they've just saved. Is it the interest? Yeah, the interest. <laughs> that ISA they opened <laughs> in 1378. Yeah, it's paying off. Yeah, yeah it's gradually getting um, better. I mean, she's so she, you know, she put so much. She put a turnip in, and she's got a million pounds back. <laughs> <laughs> That's the interest. Yeah, yeah, yeah that makes sense. So uh, yeah, so she's reminded that she shouldn't meddle in mortals' lives as terrible things would happen, as Zelda says in a really terrible things kind of repeating how Salem said it. There seems to be a recurring theme. I hope there's a joke about it, but more on that later. We cut back to school and it's in the lunchroom again. And it's announced that Jenny is student president. Hey! So Sabrina's magic has worked. Oh, uh, before that happens... Yes, Chris. Um, there's a newspaper, the, co- the high school newspaper is released because it's a weekly. And it, pre- it said that Libby had beaten Jenny. Of course. So everyone assuming yeah, Libby is the popular kid, so... She's obviously going to be class yeah. president and... Foregone conclusion. Yeah. And she probably would have been if it wasn't for Sabrina uh, sticking her nose in. All I'm going to say is drawing parallels. It is. So she's uh, she's student president. It's what she wanted. Sabrina keeps reminding her that. Are you happy? It's what you wanted. And Jenny's like, yeah, it's great. Uh, they bump into Harvey, uh, who is, as luck should have it, is starting linebacker at the next game. Mm. Hurrah! Yeah. Randy the Destroyer has had to pull out because of his knackered fingers. His destroyed he, fingers. His destroyed fingers. And um, yeah, so Harvey's ready to step back in. The coach is giving him the go-ahead. Um, and he asks, uh, asks them both even if they want to watch the game in the president's box. The president's suite. Yes. At which the older which school is stadium. literally just the commentary box. <laughs> it is, yeah. They don't have seats. <laughs> no, they just... So all presidents at games must just stand up and just watch uh, with the commentator. Uh, but we'll get to that very shortly. So Mr. Poole is late again. We cut back to the school uh, classroom and he's late again, but not because his car broke down, but no, because he decided to purchase a Ferrari and an accompanying Ferrari-styled hat on his way into school. Which, obviously, in this time and day and age, is the only way that they could demonstrate that he had a Ferrari because they couldn't afford to rent one. Yeah, it's, it's the add-on, isn't it, the guy? Yeah, so you spent um, $60,000 on this uh, car... Do you want a $50 hat to go with that? To show everyone your riches wherever you go? Hell to the yeah. Hell to the yeah, where we go. So, Mr. Poole has seemingly bought a Ferrari because he created gold um, from lead. And, uh, yeah, he's got lots of riches. And he demonstrates that by, um, well, encouraging the students to learn by rewarding them with gold. <laughs> a lump of gold. A lump. He has a supply of gold in his pockets for every uh, question that people get right. He throws a piece of gold and goes, See, can't learn him be fun. He also says, Now that I'm rich, I have a reason to live. Yes. yes. Which is, again... Very tragic. <laughs> very, very tragic. But, but so, not... so true. So, yes. so true. That's, I think that's just going to be your catchphrase for this entire episode. Back at the Spellman house, Sabrina tries to tell Hilda about all the nice things she's done today. But once um, Hilda hears about um, these things, she reiterates... Mm, terrible things will happen. Please don't meddle in people's lives. Um, and then she makes pizza. Terrible pizza. Terrible pizza. She magics really awful pizza into existence. Yeah, but as we learned from a previous episode, that witches can't make name brand stuff. So it's clearly a a a, a, a what's a knockoff. Yep. 
Yeah, so it's clearly Papa Juan's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. His non-union Mexican equivalent. Um, Papa Juan's. But, I mean, yeah, okay, fair enough. Again, she can't make branded stuff, but she still make tasty stuff. Yeah. It's, it, is she... Is she a, a poor witch? Is she... Is she not that great in the magic? If she this little pizza and she makes a gag, oh, terrible pizza! Like, well, it, well, no, it was her, it was Hawaiian it, ham and pineapple. And maybe that's just a terrible. Listen, pizza. if your taste buds can't handle complex mixture of flavors, it's ham and pineapple. It's a terrible pizza. They wonderfully communicate no, with each no, other. No, 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 no. You don't put fruit on a pizza. I had two theories about this. Two theories as to this uh, five-second scene where Hilda <laughs> makes bad pizza appear. Okay. That's how deep we're going. <laughs> One, she was distracted by her fear that Sabrina had done something terrible, mm-hmm. that she made the pizza slightly off. Or, because she's such a japester, she deliberately made bad pizza so she could make that joke. Yeah. She's either very funny and ahead of the curve, as we know... Um, Caroline Ray is, is a comedian, yeah, so maybe she's maybe she it, it's a gag, a purposely uh, made gag, or she is a crap witch, or she just made the wrong type of pizza. Or yeah, maybe she just made a poor, she made a poor decision at the end of the day. Hawaiian, and that's what decision. we're discussing. Um, so yeah, so Sabrina is is told again now by a third person, and surprisingly Hilda, who says despite all her um, all the gags that she makes, or the the seemingly lack of care in yeah. rules, she does reiterate. Mm, terrible things will happen if you meddle in people's lives. Sabrina then gets the huff and goes listen, my friends are happy we're off, I'm off um, before that actually she mentions it to Zelda and Zelda again as you'd expect tells the terrible things will happen um, and she says why can't I meddle in mortals lives and Zelda says because you will never know exactly what makes mortals happy. Yeah. Which Sabrina says well what if I know what makes them happy. Meanwhile we go back to the football game, which starts off with some NFL stock footage. Yeah, oh. seemingly a professional camera crew in front of a huge stand. A huge we non-branded yeah, crowd. A huge bleacher full of fans, although, uh, yeah, um, uh, sort of deliberately not bearing any noticeable merchandise of any actual sports mm. team. It's so unnecessary because we then cut to a shot of Sabrina and Jenny making their way into the president's suite, which, as um, previously established, is literally just a commentary box and they don't even have chairs. Um, And they have a ton of expositional dialogue to tell everybody that they're at the football game watching Harvey. They didn't need that ludicrous stock footage even yeah. in there I mean it, it looked great but it was it was unnecessary yeah is, is the, pace, uh, the case in point um, so they're watching Harvey ready to start um, they see him taking the field they're like oh my god this is so cool and then they make the the point of Serena says oh there's Harvey why does he look so small and again this goes back to our point uh, you know a little while ago about um, the discovery that Harvey isn't the jock of all jocks. He's clearly a smaller uh, brand of these jocks. You know, he couldn't be in the starting team because he needed to put on a few pounds and he's noticeably smaller than the other players, which is quite a, an interesting... He's the equivalent of a fun-sized Mars bar. Yeah, he yeah. can do everything a regular-sized Mars bar can do. <laughs> yeah, but, but compared- he's fun-sized. But he's, he's fun size, and at the end of the day, sometimes you want the full Mars bar. And Randy the Destroyer, he is the full Mars bar. He was the Mars bar duo. Perhaps so, yes. So, 
Um, <clears throat> anyway, we've got to actually make a point. Where it's then that you notice that the football team are called the Fighting Scallions, yeah. which sounds far more cooler than what it is. Effectively, they're the Fighting Spring Onions. <laughs> <laughs> As to, I mean, uh, without having an extensive knowledge of the background to this show and possible running jokes in between cast and producers of sure and without a doubt scallions them being called the fighting scallions is possibly a joke yeah within people or I'm, maybe maybe, maybe people who are just not as no it's just it's, it, it, isn't, isn't it funny that you know the teams are normally called you know the wild cats and the bears and all these big you know ferocious animals and Let's name them after vegetables. Wouldn't that <laughs> yeah. be funny? Yeah, well, I mean, you of know, course, we could have, they could, instead of stallions, obviously scallions. So yeah. Yeah, it's promoting healthy eating. That's exactly what it's doing. <laughs> it? Westfield High is a very green school. Very, yeah. very good thing. Fair enough, it's got some popularity and, and bullying, but they're, they're promoting healthy eating through their football. Um, so back to the football action, um, and you hear from the commentator that Harvey or Kinkle has the ball, and um, he then gets creamed. Yep. and crushed um, to which then the commentator goes he should have never been on the field this is a terrible thing and then an ambulance immediately pulls up as if it was in the dugout and just um, whisks him away and the scene ends with them disappointing that Harvey is potentially dead um, and we're back at the school and Harvey and his broken arm are being fed food by Libby he lets out a whimper when the fork goes in his mouth oh you poor thing it even hurts to chew no it's just hot because he's only injured his arm, Libby, you idiot. <laughs> yes, he's not a veg. He's not a vegetable. I'd just like to point out in this scene. Yes. Okay. Um, it, it's one of the epitomes of the high school genre and the pecking order and the hierarchy. Right. Because then Sabrina comes over to like apologise to Harvey for making him start in the football game, even though that he doesn't know that she did what she did. Mm-hmm. But she comes over to apologise, and Libby turns and says, "I am a cheerleader." I've got this. And it's like, at what level are you qualified to look after someone, injured or not? Well, the cheer- sexually. <laughs> <laughs> the cheerleaders and the football players are sort of... They form sort of a... They have a symbiotic relationship where the cheerleaders are there to support the footballers in sickness and in health. It's like a marriage. <laughs> it's like a, yeah, a marriage made on the football But again, field. there you go. It, it's demonstrating the hierarchy and the pecking order yeah. of the high school. If, if a football player gets hurt, he is tended to by a cheerleader. Nobody yeah, else. Exactly. Uh, whichever area of him uh, is injured, um, it, she will be, will be looked after by Libby, which is nice, showing a little bit of... Um... Yeah, but it's, again, she is infatuated with Harvey, as we've mentioned, and, it's, and she knows Sabrina likes him, so probably she's just thinking, won't Sabrina be gutted when she sees yeah. me? being handsy with her, her would-be her uh, man. Boyf, her man. Yeah. Um, so anyway, mm. Sabrina is asking Jenny about being president. Are you enjoying it? Is it going well? It's what you wanted. And um, yeah, Jenny says, well, it's going it's going all right, apart from the students would rather have pizza. And, and uh, chap from Heroes comes in and goes, so Jenny, tell the president about this meatloaf. It sucks. Um, so she thinks it would have been more about having an impact in the school. But so far, it's literally just what people want to eat and what they want to do. So she's a little bit disappointed, but she's she's happy that she's going to meet up with um, with her principal, LaRue, uh, later that afternoon. Um, so, yeah, it's not going too well. Anyway, Sabrina's about to leave the dining room and she sees Mr. Poole, who is not eating his regular sloppy joes. He's been served, waited on, in fact, by... Um, manservant. By manservant, who is offering him uh, linguine and white truffles. Yes. 
for his uh, for his lunch. Um, so again, just flaunting his riches within the school, kind of just to show exactly um, how happy he is and how empty he was before being rich. He's probably he's probably been out of bins before this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so Sabrina asks him if he's happy, and he says uh, he says absolutely wealth gives me the freedom to teach science without anger and resentment i can now teach for the pure joy of teaching wow okay that's not true <laughs> you sure Grace? i reckon if you if you were able to teach without worrying about your income or having a stable life would you enjoy your teaching more no <laughs> okay well I, you're i i well i i wonder about that actually because like it's not really related He's not getting paid more to teach, is he? It's mm. just that he can turn lead into gold. No, I, I, oh, no I, he's, he's got the money. He doesn't have to worry about his finances. He's happy being able just to teach, knowing that the crummy pay he's getting well, is not affecting his life. Right. No, I, I will say, uh, teaching is fun. Teaching, yeah. It is. I'm just... You're just teasing. Yeah, I'm no, just being a prat. But then again, like it, it's he can teach the thing that he enjoys which is science he loves his science but he can also then spoil himself buying a Ferrari yes. and a posh lunch to make him feel uh, adequate because up until this point he's uh, you know he's felt really really crummy but um, it's nice to see Mr Poole happy and for yeah. once not sarcastic in any way really genuine tell him about his his love of teaching um, is now better tenfold now that he's got all this disposable gold yeah a nice nice layer of depth added mm. and a word of praise for Paul Feig, who I think is easily the most talented comic performer in the show, which is why, is in a way, obviously he's been very successful as a writer and a director, but in a way it's kind of sad that most of his success has been behind the camera, because yeah. he's genuinely a very entertaining and relatable presence. Yeah. So good on you, Paul. We're yeah. very much enjoying his spending, particularly in this episode. So... Um, Jenny is now met up with the principal who we see for the first time. We've heard his voice a couple of times over the past coming episodes, but now we actually uh, be able to put a face uh, to the voice. And whose face is it? It's Kenny from Frasier. Yep, Tom, Tom McGowan. <laughs> Tom McGowan. So he's done all bits and bobs on um, appearances in various uh, things like uh, cop dramas and uh, comedy shows and things. But uh, to me, as soon as he came on, I was like, oh, that's Kenny from Frasier, who, um, if you cast your mind back to Frasier, he is... Um, he's a station manager towards the end. I think he's in the last sort of three seasons, maybe. So early, so. early two thousands, that would have been. Yeah, yeah. Or, or he might have been in for maybe half. It. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he was in um, about forty plus episodes of it. Um, so yeah, so it's good old little Kenny. But he's been a bit of a bit of a well, sort of sinister character. Yeah. Jenny is sat in the principal's office, which is very dimly lit, though, despite it being stated that it's early in the afternoon. Um, it well, is I'm... just an absolutely sinister feel. It is. It, it was like all it was missing was for his face to be half shadowed. Yeah. yeah. And that was it. But yeah, to actually mm. put a face to him, he's just this moody, dark, sinister presence. It's a really strange scene, which I wonder whether it is actually a parody of some scene in sort of like a tense political thriller that we're not smart enough to have watched. <laughs> because he goes on this big long monologue. Where he basically tells Jenny, just because you're class president, you do not have any power over anything. All the decisions are made by men miles away from here in smoke-filled boardrooms. And they know you better than you know you, Jennifer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, basically, 
it means nothing. You have no, you have no power. You wanted to bring all this change. It's not going to happen. Honey. Yeah, Sorry. but it's... It, it, it comes back to the point that you made. Sorry to cut you off, Christopher. It comes back to the point that you said um, towards the beginning of the episode about when they're talking about the politics and saying, I want all this funding for this and that, and Libby's just, oh, I want pizza and stuff. You made a point saying maybe this is a like a political statement from the episode. But... Or about oh no, it was about teaching, wasn't it? About yeah, about um, the funding, about yeah, funding for people not having no money. Yeah, yeah. So maybe this is just about it's just another standpoint from maybe the education system is um, yeah, and the political system. Yeah, so you yeah, can't so fight city hall. You can't, but you can darn well try, even though it doesn't get you anywhere. So, yes. uh, so Jenny keeps saying, oh, "I want to do things about arts funding." Uh, textbooks, class sizes, and they're all shot down by the principal who Graham correctly identified. Those decisions are only made by big, powerful men in smoke-filled rooms hundreds of miles away. Yep. Which is quite depressing. I can't remember the exact term he says. Because he says, elections have always been a popularity contest. Let's keep it that way. Yes. She would have been better off not knowing that because it sort of destroyed her faith in everything. Mm. And to be honest, she may as well have just asked for pizza because that's a change she might have been able to affect. Yeah. So Sabrina meets with Jenny at the slicery, uh, who appears to be drunk on root beer, and she wishes that she'd never been president, that she was so young and naive when she wanted that. And <laughs> it now, was two days ago. Yeah, it was an awful decision, and she's miserable because of it. So mm, that is one terrible thing. Sabrina thought that's what she wanted. It's clearly not. Uh, back at home, Hilda and Zelda have been summoned by Drell of the Witches' Council because of Sabrina meddling in with some magic. They're not entirely sure exactly what's going on, because Sabrina... Uh, he's been a little closed off about it. But they, um, yeah, against their own wishes, they end up going to see Drell through the Witch's Council. And again, we get to see Pendulette. It's great to see him again on his own. So he was he is possibly a pricey. However, it's nice to see him because if anyone is going to be the head of a Witch's Council, it might as well be one of the most magical men yes. in the world. Still to this day, 20-odd years on. Yes, he is Pendulette. a magical libertarian man. Yeah. So... Um, Oh, it's also as well. Hilda says that she didn't want to see Drell. She didn't want to see Drell just as much as Sabrina because she used to be in love with him, but she still worries about her hair. Yeah, she claims we have no feelings for each other anymore, and that's why I don't want to see him because he's a prick, basically. Yeah. Um, but, but she still then, cares what he thinks. Yeah. Um, so now we see uh, we step they step into the linen closet and they go into a very familiar set, and Sabrina acknowledges that, which is nice. This was one of those moments where it was quite clear that either they couldn't be bothered or they didn't have the funding to build a brand new set. So instead, they just reused the principal's office and filled it with smoke. Yes. But they made a joke about it, yes. so it's okay. Sabrina says, oh, this looks a bit like the principal's office. Even going to Drell's um, PA, who is seemingly the same PA of the principal's. Not seemingly, it is. It, 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 it is. is. It is It is the same person. She has the same name. Even. Yeah. Um, but we made like, an observation that, the, that Drell, you know, this mystical, powerful um, tyrant, if you will, within, yeah. within the world of witches, has a better lit office than the principal. It's altogether less creepy when this, essentially, this sort of... You know, he really delights in having the power he does. He's clearly mad with power. Yeah. Um, he's a way more of a sinister figure than Principal LaRue, but his office is quite nicely lit. Hmm. I like to think it is because he has nothing to hide. Ah. Whereas Principal LaRue 
has it all to hide. Yeah. Mm. And we go, Prince the media Fogel. student in us is really taking this apart. The mise en scène. <laughs> yes. Um, Principal Leroux has inadequacies. Drell is just so confident and all-powerful because there are no men in boardrooms telling him what to do. Mm. Exactly. He is... Ah! He is... I like it. This is the depth of analysis you only get here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so we've established that Drell is the, the bee's knees... The cat's pyjamas, the dog's bollocks of, of the witch's yeah. council with no one above him. The fish's slipper. <laughs> is is that one you've made up? No, the fish's slipper? Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, what, what? Sorry to go completely <laughs> off topic of the episode, but I'm, I'm, in, I'm interested in... Where did you hear that? Who told you? In passing. Okay. Who's... I mean, these things like the dog's bollocks, okay? Like, yeah, the dog's bollocks, that, that one the works. cat's pyjamas. That, that one works. The fish's slipper. Well, dogs' bollocks works because fish don't wear slippers, but Phil cats don't wear pajamas either. Yeah, but they, they and not all dogs have bollocks. No, that's true. Well, it's it's, it's yeah. a bit it's a bit sexist to dogs. Yeah, <laughs> to say that you're the dog's bollocks. but yeah. it's clearly a female. Dog. I wonder where the bee's knees comes from. Is where, the bee's knees are that is that is that integral to the bee's proficiency? I'll do balance on the flower. So yes, it is quite important. Yeah, okay, so well, bees, don't, bees don't have knees. They're insects. They're but they're like sort of a natural curve to them. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's but, it's not a um, but still, even the fact that not all dogs have bollocks, that makes more sense than the fishy slipper. Yeah, the fishy slipper. But what's the slippery part of it? The, it's the, ho- a, the, the whole it's, fish is... It's a, yeah. The whole fish is slippery. Is it referring... I don't know! I just... I heard it in passing. I saw a moment where it was applicable. The fishy slipper. And this was the moment where we decided we didn't want to make a Sabrina podcast anymore. <laughs> Welcome to Etymology Cast. Um, <laughs> um, so, back to Sabrina. So, who? If, if, if you can remember, uh, it was a while since we were last talking about it, but Drell um, is questioning Sabrina about, uh, well, asking her why, why she thinks... Um, she's here because uh, Hilda and Zelda don't seem to know they're like oh I don't know no idea and he says let me tell you any of this sound familiar athletic injury fixed election and altered immutable laws of physics yes they are the three reasons she's been here the three reasons mainly um, number three is she's meddled um, in people's lives uh, he says the athletic injury and the fixed election they can be sorted they can be reversed but yeah. the altering the possible laws of physics is a step too far. And Hilda and Zelda, especially Hilda, which is quite surprising, are quite shocked by that Sabrina has gone this deep into yeah. pleasing her friends. Hilda, the almost murderer, is absolutely disgusted at how uh, irresponsible Sabrina yeah. has been. But Sabrina, being a teenager, says, oh, well... Well, Joel says, did anyone warn her about it? Zelda says, yes. Hilda says she did. And Sabrina says, oh, well, so did Salem, but... Three people telling me I didn't think it was that much of a big deal. The only three witches she knew (laughs) told her that it was a bad idea. (laughs) So, you know, it's typical teenager anyway, just trying to palm palm off this situation, just go, oh, sorry, I didn't know. And then it was it was Grell's decision then to get on the uh, intercom and call to fellow witches. Yeah, he he says, he says, oh, oh, I'm sorry. He seems like really sort of apologetic that she 
didn't know exactly how terrible this was, so he goes, he rings to his assistant Marge. Go, Marge, can you get the guys down in ominous warnings to tweak, to tweak up the reverb on the word terrible? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so can you get the guy? I would say that again. Can you get the guys down in ominous warnings to tweak up the <laughs> reverb on the word terrible? That I mean, that's a classic, like, kind of spoof gag that you would get against a Simpsons Futurama-esque sort of uh, gag. Yeah. Very, very stupid. Um, so obviously, seemingly Marge does. He has a few goes of terrible, each getting uh, more dominant in in reverb until he's literally screaming, all together, boys. Terrible! Packed full of reverb, loves it. And he goes, there we go. That was Marge's fault. And suddenly, the office explodes and Marge is seemingly killed. They later find her false teeth. That she, maybe Marge, has perished. Mm-hmm. So he says, I blame you not knowing completely how terrible the terrible stuff would be. I blame Marge. However, this is all on you. You need to sort it out. So incidentally, she needs to erase the knowledge of Mr. Poole's um, ability to turn lead into gold. Uh, she's given 23 hours, not 24, 23 hours to sort it out on one hour to buy a scratching post as her punishment if she doesn't succeed is that in the next 24 hours she will become a cat as well. So seemingly altering physics and turning one man rich is on equal par to world domination. Well, I mean, as soon as one person knows that, he could, in theory, conquer the world, couldn't he? He could do, but he could is, buy anything he wanted. is Mr. Poole really going to conquer the world, do you think? Drell doesn't know Mr. Poole. And the more power he gets, the more... Yeah, but this is the thing. Mr. Poole knows how to turn lead into gold. All he needs to do is tell someone else who would conquer the world, Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt. Well, Drell actually says something about it You know, it could crash economies and it mm. could, you know, it, it could you know, bring an end to civilization, And it could. He's right. So, yeah. so Drell um, has given her this warning. He asks Hilda to stay back because he wants to talk to her. And he says, Hilda... Um, doing a nice hair flick. Yeah, yeah, he's sort of brushing his. This is Drill, by the way, doing the hair flick. There is nothing funnier than Pendulette <laughs> tossing his hair seductively. <laughs> and asks her just to kind of stay a bit, and then some sort of porn music ensues, and, and then uh, it's then seen that she turned him down, and she now has only uh, 16 hours yes. to go and sort it out. So, bad form Hilda, but well in Hilda at the same time. Yeah. She is finally gaining self respect. Risk, you know. So not being seduced by the lush, long locks Gorgeous. of Pendulette. Yes. Gorgeous, man. Um, so we're back at school, and Mr. Poole and his flashy suit now, his double-breasted mm-hmm. sort of mafia suit, um, he's walking down the corridor, and he's there flashing off. Perhaps the proudest thing he's bought is, no, it's not the Ferrari, it is a digital pocket secretary, which he then demonstrates to Sabrina, his ecstatic uh, awareness of being able to send a fax to himself. Yeah, from his from his palm. Yeah. Uh, the, those of you that uh, weren't around during this time, a fax was a way of sending documents through the telephone. Yes, yes. Before emails became commonplace, mm-hmm. um, you could effectively email someone, and it will automatically print out for them. Mm-hmm. But you had to dial a phone number. Yeah. Um, Weird, in hindsight. Very weird. weird. But even as 90s as that is, we're going to combine it with um, with the Pocket Secretary, which is our new feature, which working title is That's So 90s! It could not get more 90s than this. Not just that the idea of personal organisers, which were all the rage, and fax, faxing, which was still the main way of sort of um, 
transferring documents to one another. The fact that that is considered the height of wealth, that this man can send faxes remotely. <laughs> that's so 90s. That is so 90s. And that's that is up. so 90s. That is so 90s. That is so 90s. But it, 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 it is dead 90s, man. After displaying the what his digital pocket secretary can do, he then tells Sabrina that he's feeling great. He's going to fund. He's going to fund a grant called the Eugene Pool Award for burnt out teachers, yeah. and says it's 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 he's happy with his life and this is a dream project he's wanted to do. Sabrina agrees and says that is a, a beautiful dream. And and again, even though he's flaunting this wealth, he shows a bit of giving back. Give him, yeah, he knows he's. Definitely not the same, the only one in this predicament. Yeah. So setting up a grant to help burnt out teachers is a nice way to uh, to flaunt some of his wealth. So yeah, well in lad. Yeah. Sabrina then is just about to remove the knowledge to reverse the uh, the decision to help drill out, but she tells him just in- enjoy the next forty minutes. To which then Mister Poole says, "How can I? It's science. How can I not? Yes. And it's yeah." It's really a sh- it's this, this this coming wealth has had such a, a a short impact in his life, but it's shown that he does love teaching. That he's got all this wealth and he could just stop teaching. Yeah, but he, he could have easily it. just quit his job in this episode. But oh yeah, he's still doing it because he still fundamentally enjoys teaching. So from learning from that, for Mister Pool, Chris, I put it to you again: if you won the lottery, a couple of million behind you, mm-hmm. would you still teach? Yeah. Yeah. Graeme, if you won the lottery... Would I still do my job? Yeah. Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think it only works for teachers. Uh, but thanks for your honesty, uh, Graeme. So um, after the class, which again, he throws away his last lump of gold, to um, the smelly student who we learn is called Timmy. Um, he gives him a piece of gold and he goes, Oh, looks like I'm out of gold, kids. It's all right, I'll just knock some more up tonight. Sabrina then realises, yeah, this is a problem. Um... Points a magic finger, and that's it. Just like that, she's removed his knowledge of something. And that's... That's a scary thought. That is a sc- very scary. That is a very scary spell. You could just... God, imagine the things you could do with that, just removing someone's knowledge of something. It's like the men in black. <laughs> it, it's device. exactly what it is, yeah. Oh, God. Wow, that is... We, we, could, we could then just come off topic of this and just talk about... We really could. Let's not. Let's get back to it. Yeah. So he can't remember. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm, yeah. I'm, blown, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm Shit, just trying to think. Why didn't we realise that before when we were watching it? Just go. That's quite. If, I, and the the distress. It's even you know even without thinking about the other possibilities, the different things you could remove from people's memories. Just the distress he's in. This thing that has changed his life. She's for the lobotomized better. him. She's lobotomized him. He can't remember now, and he's 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 losing his mind. You know, we see him. It's it's very funny, but it's at the same time quite sort of distressing. Seeing him desperately trying to write formulas on the board, and he's got to a equals a because he's just lost his mind. Yeah, it's just a equals a. Of course, a equals a. <laughs> like, what what if that's what happens when you like forget where you've parked? What that Sabrina is pointing yeah. the finger at you, and you're you're gonna forget where you've parked. And then you have to like do that weird run through the car park to try and find mm. where you've parked. All those nights out, and you think, I can't remember what's happened. Maybe it's not because you got too drunk. Maybe it's because a witch just went, <laughs> just zapped you and and had their way with you. Oh, okay, God. that's that's. that's oh God, a... maybe. <laughs> oh God, how many times? Is... Oh God. Now, um, so yeah, so Mister Poole is is in mass distress, having lost his knowledge because, well, 
He said, I didn't write it down. Why didn't I write it down? Then again, if he did write it down... It would probably disappear. Would Sabrina know to remove the knowledge of, of him knowing where he then put it, the formula? I assume the piece of paper would just disappear, or the, the um, writing would disappear. Yeah. It's interesting, though, that she removed the knowledge and not just... She could have easily blanked out the past couple of days for him. No. Well, maybe she can't do that. Maybe that's a step too far, because that is messing with life. Yeah. You, can't revert, you can't turn back time, as we've learnt. Mm. So... Although she did. But she no, no to... the Witches' Council did that. Yeah, she oh, had to be given a special dispensation yeah. to do it. So, yeah, I guess that would amount to turning back time. So, yeah. So, anyway, so Mr. Poole has been reverted back to poor Mr. Poole. Um, we're back in the cafeteria, and Jenny admits that the school would be better off with Libby as president, saying that it was something that she thought was a good idea, but now she knows how the school works. She knows it's not what she wants. She's happy. She's better off knowing how the school runs. And she actually says, um, I'd much rather be jaded than naive. Sabrina yeah. says, who wouldn't? Yeah, she's peeked behind the curtain, didn't like what she saw, and ran back to uh, Munchkin. Yeah, land. so it's like she she's better off knowing that. She's happy knowing that. She could have she could have not been president, and then the next time it comes around, been voted for it, been denied again. She could have spent years then trying to be her class president, and then got to the same position she's in. But it's nice that she's... She found out very early that... I think that's, again, another philosophical point the episode's trying to raise. I'd rather be jaded than naive. Which is good. Um, So Jenny's very happy with her decision, and Libby says, wow, this is one step closer to the White House. So she's already (sighs) ten seconds in, power mad. But, of course, as we find out, she can only affect... affect, Well, of course, the idea that... Lunch and dances and things. Of course, the idea that a selfish bully could become president is just ridiculous. Of course. I'm glad glad it doesn't happen here. Anyway, an injured Harvey also says he's really happy with the injuries received. He's happy not playing football because it means he can sit around more. Not in the lazy sense, but he can concentrate on his reading, his writing, and he even says his grades are getting better. So we may have knocked off... <laughs> They've gone from F's to E's, you yeah. imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but still, though, we were laughing at the last episode because he realised in episode three, well, he revealed to us even, that he wants to become a dentist. So maybe having this injury is the start of him getting better, and maybe down the line he just become a dentist. Maybe. 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 But he does raise again another question, which brings back to maybe sort of high school uh, drama politics is that he says i'm actually thrilled not playing football just don't tell my dad ah yeah parental pressure but ultimately he is happy with the decision that well that he played in that game got injured because he's better off for it so it's it's nice it's nice everything is coming back together so it's back to the whole uh she wanted to do three nice things two of which Panned out. Panned out eventually. Eventually. In, 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 in its own twisted way. In a very subtle way. Yeah. And maybe Mr. Poole rediscovered his love for teaching. He did. And maybe well, he'll take that with him even though he's poor again. Well, that's it. No, Sabrina, he will not. No. Sabrina then goes to Mr. Poole who, as you said, Graham, is frantically trying to work out, trying to remember what his, uh, his formula for turning lead into gold is. Um, and he's gutted about not being rich because he's, uh, he's become his old self. Because he says, you know, having wealth was... All he wanted. Yeah. You know, he's down back in the dumps. He's just a regular old schmo now. And, you know, it's... He likes teaching. He just doesn't have the money. And he's, you know, he's back to being really disappointed. Um, But he's optimistic towards the future. Sabrina sort of encourages him, like, you know what? You'll... Kind of reassures him in... In similar words, you know, just... 
keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. You know, she shows her gratitude and and Mr. Poole does kind of smile at her in a way that's not sarcastic. She's not he's not trying to say, Oh, just leave. He's quite appreciative of this yeah. young girl's uh, faith in him. Yeah, really. Yeah. Which is nice. Very grown up of them both. Yes. Despite Mr. Poole being an adult. Yes. You know, I'd very say, grown I'd up. Say so. Um and again, Sabrina sort of she does want to treat Mr. Poole, so she still does one nice thing, or at least tries to, because Mr. Poole, he needed a new briefcase. He said he found that one and it broke. And he might have bought a Ferrari. He might have bought expensive lunches and things. But he didn't buy a briefcase. He bought what he wanted, not what he needed. Yeah, Which yes. is an important thing to take away from this episode. So Sabrina magically makes a delicious looking leather briefcase. Yeah, appear. I believe it was a Gachi. Was it a Gachi, was it? Of course, because it wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a briefs case. Um, makes it appear... And uh, Principal LaRue walks past and just picks it up and walks away. Like the fat swine that he is. Yeah. Um, Again, you can't fight City Hall. You can't. The fat, the fat bald guy always wins. Yeah. So the credits roll and Mr. Poole is grovelling to the principal about asking him if he can return back to his house and clean his car again as we established the extra way that Mr. Poole learn, uh, gets more income is by washing the principal's car which is very beneath him and it can only be for a few bucks but he does it regardless Yeah. And the principal says um, well I found a 15 year old kid who can do it for two bucks cheaper Mr. Poole then says well I can do it better I'm having a back in the same old rut special <laughs> and we'll do it for next to nothing oh. poor Poor, Poor bloody man. bloke. Yeah. Poor bloke. Yeah, I, I really did like this episode because I love Mr. Poole. He was a character who straight away I identified with and enjoyed. I love Paul Fagg's uh, portrayal of him. Um, and I hoped, because I know that, spoiler alert, he is only around for one season, I hoped we got some episodes that sort of gave him more spotlight and yeah. delved into who he is a bit more. And this uh, did that in a very entertaining way that also contained a lot of moral and, as we say, possibly socio-political uh, messages. A deep episode by teenage sitcom standards for certain. Oh, definitely. Chris, what do you think of it? What's your take on it? I'm interested to think of... Because, obviously, we've been talking to you a lot about the comparisons with Mr. Poole being a teacher, you being a teacher yourself. So how did you find this episode? I found it very accurate. No. <laughs> No, it was a cracking episode. I mean, at the end of the day, as Graham just said, the uh, the social and political messages that come across, about, especially about how school is run and how teachers are treated and what could happen and what should happen and then just the idea of trying to be nice to people throughout the course of a single day, even if it doesn't pan out exactly the way that you want it to, still good can come of it. Yeah. And yeah. that's... I think that's the message that everyone should take away from this yeah. after-school yeah. special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I said, I enjoyed this episode for, for uh, just reasserting what you said, going just for Mr. Pool reasons. Um, you know, it, it's it's very easy just to have to have a character that is the same all the way throughout. You know, especially someone who is this sarcastic, miserable, um, sometimes offensive. Uh, authority figure just be ridiculed by these kids and if it's a, a family show aimed at kids more they're going oh yeah teachers oh, I'm glad I'm glad you got what's coming to him that kind of thing but it's, it's nice to see this radical character a really um, sensitive side a side which you probably wouldn't see 
maybe not may not see again. Certainly not seen it already. Mm. But it's a nice side for an otherwise character where we were laughing all the way through up until this point, this episode and these appearances beforehand. And this one, it's, it was laughing less and more thinking, I feel re- real sympathy for the bloke. He could have been a caricature. This episode made sure that he's not. Yes. Yes. So, quite, quite a deep episode. <laughs> but, you know, a very, very good episode nonetheless. Um, Chris, you, you've been seemingly the one that's come up with... Um, our oh, rating system. Yeah. So, how would you rate uh, this particular episode? Oh, uh, I would give this one a seven terribles out of things. Terrible. <laughs> seven <laughs> terrible out of things. Okay. <laughs> so we've got that. So seven. Uh, Graham, would you agree? Sort of. Um, I'd give it eight terribles, actually. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. No. I, I think I'd. I think I'd agree with the higher offer. I think on the eight, just for again, if maybe if the episode was dafter, if it had really good jokes, I think it could have been funnier but I think this was a good episode for character development yeah. and very very strong um, and I did yeah I did enjoy it so I'd say yeah kind of tossing up between 8 and 9 I think I'm not, I can't quite make my mind up so there we have it between 7 to 9 terribles which ironically means it's really good <laughs> <laughs> exactly so I uh, yeah so if you want so we highly recommend this episode I mean, we highly recommend all the episodes of this uh, I mean we're, we're the ones sitting through them but definitely if there's ones you're going to list uh, watch alongside our podcast then Definitely check this one out. That's episode yeah. four, Terrible Things. Uh, the next episode that we're going to be doing, uh, coincidentally, is entitled episode five. And it is a Halloween story. Uh, Sabrina, Hilda and Zelda celebrate uh, Halloween with their family, whilst a clone of Sabrina enjoys Harvey's Halloween party. Oh. So, there's lots of mischief to be had there. So I'm not going to say what I'm thinking. <laughs> don't, don't say what you're thinking, please. Save it for the next podcast, if anything, Chris. Unless it's really rude then don't say it at all. Or say it and we'll let it down. But we'll have fun. <laughs> yeah. I'll say it after we end. Excellent. So, there we go, everybody. That is episode four. Hope you join us again for episode five, again called A Halloween Story. Uh, this has been Sabrina the Teenage Watch. I've been Phil. This has been Chris. I'd like to doppelgang her. Ah! That, yeah. That sounds good. That's I good. can get behind that. That's good. Um, yeah. Um, and you've been Graham Riley. Yeah. Something bawdy. <laughs> <laughs> However, you choose to listen to this show, whether it be via Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, or iTunes, if you could be so kind, please leave us a comment and a review. Your support and inspiration will give the show meaning. Otherwise, we're just broadcasting to no one. And that's just sad. Also, why not subscribe? Then, as soon as every episode hits the air, you'll get it downloaded straight away. How easy and Dare I say magical is that? If you head to our Twitter page, at Sabrina Watch, you'll find links to each of our episodes, as well as quotes, pics and skits of our favourite moments as the series progresses. Whichever realm you're from, thank you once again for listening, and I hope you tune back in next week.